Are you listening to this show hoping to get some golden nuggets to help you on your way to recovery? Well, great. I hope that you find them because that is exactly what this show is for. But if you really want to take your recovery all the way, completely commit and get on track with your goals, whether they be finally feeling overall healthy, finally getting pregnant, or finally getting back to training, you'll want to join us inside of the HA Society. Not only is this the perfect community to ask questions and get your support and the accountability that you so often need during these uphill battles with body image and understanding nutrition and incorporating exercise, but it's also a hub of exclusive resources for HAers. All of the HA podcast episodes are released in advance and completely ad-free, so you can listen on the go to the raw, unedited versions, uninterrupted. All of the one-on-one coaching calls, of which we have two a week in different time zones, are uploaded to our private podcast feed so that you can listen to events with practitioners and the past community calls as though they were bonus podcast episodes, because I know how much you love to listen to this kind of stuff. And in these calls, we cover requested topics like overcoming the weight gain fears, communicating with friends and family about our HA, diving into how HA works, and debunking the imposter syndrome that so many of us have around this diagnosis. There's also an entire resources section with lectures, workshops, and training from the past events that are hosted by experts like Sarah Liz King, Laura Lyons, Kaylee McDevitt, Holly Dunn, and many more. As a member, you also get direct access to myself and Coach Ashley in the DMs. So if you have personal questions or need individualized advice about your recovery, we're in there answering your questions in the DMs, as are all of our other members in the group who impress me week after week with how they show up for each other. It's incredible. It's like women are just all becoming mini coaches for each other. It's so good. The HA Society is really the place to be if you're going through recovery, no matter what stage you're at. Whether you have HA or you've got a few recovery periods, we have your back and we're all your new best friends. So come and meet us at thehasociety.com forward slash join. That's thehasociety.com forward slash join and the link is in the show notes for you okay on with the show hey and welcome to the hypothalamic amenorrhea podcast an adulting advice podcast production i'm danny sheriff and this is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly this podcast aims to educate inform and keep you motivated on your period and ha recovery track let's dive in And guys, please remember that I am not a doctor and nothing on this show should be taken as medical advice. Always seek the advice of your physician. Hey everyone, welcome back to the AJ Podcast. I'm here with Holly Dunn. It's her second time on the show. Welcome, Holly. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. No worries. So Holly is a, I mean, remind me, registered nutritionist, right? Yeah, registered nutritionist or nutritional therapy practitioner, we call them. Yeah, either. Or both. <laughs> based in London. Awesome. Yeah, based across the pond. Perfect. I um, always have to like double check everyone's acronyms. <laughs> <laughs> Never remember them. Cool. Well, I love having Holly on the show. I'm always um, sending girls her way just because she works with people with HA so well one-on-one. Um, actually, 
you should tell people a little bit about what you do before we dive in. Yeah, sure. So um, my practice very much started in the sort of women's health space, but very moved, moved quite quickly into HA as a result of, you know, my own experience, my own history with with HA, um, over training, uh, high levels of stress and a kind of uh, a bit of a, a genetic predisposition to um, sort of high stress, uh, especially inability to break down dopamine and adrenaline. So that's where my interest in HA and especially the stress component of it is really, really strong. Um, so, yeah, so I work with women uh, predominantly one-to-one. I don't do a lot of group work at this stage um, to help them to sort of really, really uncover what are the kind, what are the what are the mediators? What are the drivers? What's going on? Um, you know, at that kind of fundamental functional level. So I do always, pretty much always do testing with my with my ladies, um, always, um, and we uncover some of the you know some of the drivers of what's going on and work with them through on the nutrition side of stuff, the lifestyle side of stuff, um, some of the uh, emotional side of stuff as well. Uh, especially where there's kind of that history of orthorexia as well, which which is something I experienced too. So um, very much a kind of, I think like most NTPs and functional medicine practitioners, quite a rounded holistic kind of approach um, to getting people back on, back into, back into balance and back to where they want to be. Yeah, I love it. I was excited by our chat a few weeks, uh, a few weeks ago, a month ago. It was a good one. Um, and it was really popular too. Like I think a lot of people really resonated with what everything that you had to say and you know it's important to me that we keep talking about um more than just eating more calories and exercising less and we talk about like some of the more nuanced things because we were talking just before we hit record that um there's just more to it because often there is yeah and I was just saying I was just saying to you wasn't I that um I'm getting more and more women coming to me at the moment just you know they've really really worked hard on their exercise and their food and you know if we look at their kind of body composition they're actually in a really really good place so you just wouldn't you wouldn't look at this person and they wouldn't they don't feel in themselves that they should have HA and I think it's those people that we really need to like look and actually really understand what's going on and Actually, one lady I'm just working with, um, uh, just about to start working with, we've just run her test results and she's actually got a, a medical condition. So it's not actually HA. And that's really important. But, you know, otherwise you wouldn't we wouldn't know that unless we we'd looked at the blood, the blood tests in particular. Um, and another mm-hmm. lady who, you know, recently who. You know, she when we think about that body composition, that BMI, this she's she's put on so much weight and she's feeling really she's really struggling with that. But there's a lot more going on for her that actually if she just followed the kind of just eat more and rest, you know, it wouldn't have been enough just for her to get her back, you know, back on on track. So I'm not saying, you know, I think food and the exercise are one hundred percent, you know, and pretty much 80 percent of the puzzle. But yeah, the other the other mm. factors involved are really important to me to to dig deeper into as well. Yeah, it definitely took a bit of extra tinkering for me. That's what I like um, being able to get some of the. I've really I've sent like a handful of um, girls over to you, yeah. and I love it because we just get that confirmation <laughs> of <laughs> what's going on. Um, yeah. it's really helpful because sometimes I'm talking with women. They've been like, I've been trying this for ages. I've been eating more and resting more. And it's like, not come, it's not happening. Yeah. And 
patience is definitely a big part of it but some you know but you also have to like respect that asking people to be patient is really tough yeah and that I mean, there absolutely just could be some more to it. So why not find out the answer? Yeah. yeah and you, you know, Side you, that's really true as well. I think for a lot of, for, for some women, genetically, metabolically, it is just going to take longer for them to get their period back. No question. Even if they're following all of the right steps, mm. it's just going to take longer. But I guess it's that small percentage of women who, you know, they are just, there is something missing. There's just a piece in the jigsaw puzzle that's not been some some need that's not been met that just needs to be met for the other things to click in, into place and I think that's where um that's really where I'm honing in at the moment <laughs> with, with yeah. a lot of that's women. something that like that's something that people who are kind of trained or those of us who are now are at least experienced enough to under to like no uh sorry words experienced enough to identify like what what we're looking for here in someone who's like textbook ha this is what's going on for you and it's going to be great Mm -hmm. and people who there's more investigation needed and i feel like that's a that's an episode for another day of like okay well how do you know when you have been patient enough and it looked like there looks like there's something else going on yeah and then we should go and get things checked out. Yeah. Yeah, like absolutely. There's so there's so much scope for these conversations, Danny. We've got we've we've I think we should just do a, our own series. <laughs> I know. That works for me. Yeah. Um people would love it. We can do that. We can do that. Well we're starting it off with actually a conversation about alcohol. Yeah. So I have had this question a couple of times, not a whole lot, but I think it's one of those ones that people are wondering about um there's a thing of like well you know it it's kind of associated with relaxation so that's a good thing and it's high mm-hmm. in calories so that's a good thing but then like it's alcohol so that can't be a good thing mm-hmm. so we're just going to we're just going to dive into that today and Holly has actually done a, quite a bit of preparation I think um mm-hmm. which is exciting so I have some great yeah. questions to make sure that we follow to make sure that we get all the answers in if we possibly can so what what made you because you reached out to me about like I want to talk about alcohol so what prompted this for you so I think I heard um a really interesting conversation that you had a few months ago and um you know the the overarching kind of response to is alcohol a good thing and and I get asked this question a lot you know is it okay to drink with HA can I drink if I'm trying to get my period back will having a few drinks throw off my cycle and this is for women who have their cycle back right um and I was listening to it and I heard the response and I've heard the response to this question and I just in something in me clicked and I thought, oh, I think there's quite a lot actually here that needs to be researched properly. And lo and behold, you know, it's important for me as a, as a clinician, as a registered nutritionist to actually stay on top of research in areas that I'm, I'm not familiar with. And looking at it, you know, there's no one, there's no wonder that I wasn't feeling overly happy with, um, you know, what I, what I expected to see in research, what I, what, what I was hearing, because there isn't a lot, there's, there's pretty much no 
research on alcohol and HA, obviously, there's not a lot of research on uh, clinical research into HA and certain aspects of it. So I kind of feel like it's really important to give women the right information um, and to help them navigate this question, because alcohol is something that, you know, we want to enjoy. And I think that there's definitely a really strong argument for having alcohol in HA. So we we'll definitely want to touch on that. But then there are some other kind of clinical considerations in HA that where I think the alcohol question needs to be just fully uh, elucidated, explored, you know, so that women understand what's happening to their bodies when they're drinking alcohol. And when, if you know, if they know that they have a sort of an imbalance, whether or not that's a thyroid issue, an adrenal issue, a gut issue, um, then they know, you know, when they might want to steer clear of alcohol. And I think, I just think it became very clear to me that this was something that needs to be researched and I can't find anything on it at all. Because, I mean, you know, there's no one else. Yeah. It became clear when you started, like, looking for the information. Mm. Well, you find it. Yeah, well, from looking at the kind of body of evidence that we have for alcohol and the menstrual cycle in general, um, the evidence is conflicting uh, and it's also really limited. So actually, there's a significant lack of research investigating alcohol use in women in general. Uh, And up until about 2015, only 13 um, empirical papers, which are basically practical interventional studies, um, had considered the menstrual cycle in relation to alcohol consumption in women. And when it comes to HA specifically, and populations of women with HA, we're yet to see any high quality evidence on the subject. Um, Mm -hmm. Some studies Mm -hmm. have found a relationship between alcohol consumption and cycle irregularities, so including missing periods and amenorrhea, um, irregular cycles uh, and anovulation, so when you don't ovulate. But generally, this is only when alcohol we're, when, when drinking we're drinking alcohol chronically and at quite high doses. So we're drinking a lot of alcohol. Whereas, and this is this isn't of um, many studies at all, Danny. I mean, this is like less than twenty studies. Mm. Um, other studies, and this is really interesting, um, have showed that moderate drinking um, causes no significant change in menstrual cycle function. And actually one study in 2014 showed that people who drank no alcohol at all had more cycle irregularities. (laughs) I thought that was really, really interesting. So I guess there is some, there's some evidence around the menstrual cycle and alcohol, but it's not enough for us really to sort of grab hold of and, and give that kind of sort of um, that given answer with confidence. So I think, that's kind of where where we are with the evidence but I think there's a lot more when it comes to HA um you know alcohol has numerous effects on um our biochemistry and we need to put that into the context of what's actually going on in HA if that makes sense I don't I think I'm just rambling I'm not sure it is making sense no it does and I'm wondering if the the studies that kind of showed people that don't drink alcohol have irregularities and um, have more regularities and just those types of things if they're self-reported information and if that you know if the healthy user bias comes into any of the studies yeah and like what other correlations that people that don't drink alcohol have with their life um because my immediate thought is like a lot of the girls listening many of them probably actually don't drink alcohol like already didn't because it's like a 
unhealthy food. And there's a lot of people with a fear of that. I feel like that's maybe broad, like a bit of a stretch, but my mind immediately went to like, yeah, well, maybe they don't drink alcohol and they don't, there's a lot of other things that they don't do. (laughs) That is, you know, you've hit the nail on the head there. Definitely. I think there's a, you know, there's a correlative relationship that's not a causative one. Absolutely. And there there are going to be other factors in, in those studies that, which is why I don't, I don't feel comfortable relying on them. But um, it's really interesting that you said that because it's probably worth mentioning that most clients I work with come to see me and they're either not drinking at all or, you know, it's they're not drinking very much. So their drinking is like neither here nor there. And part of what drives that is often that, you know, whether consciously or subconsciously, these, that these individuals, these women um, are trying to do everything right, aren't they, to regain their period um, or that maybe it's just simply an extension of, uh, that healthy lifestyle that often leads to HA in the first place. Um, so, yeah, and the pursuit of that. Yeah, it is. It is certainly. It's a really interesting when we think about HA and that type of person. Often that we're looking at, not always, but often, um, you know, that removal of certain types of foods, of certain types of drinks and behaviours that are perceived to be unhealthy. That's what we're seeing um, in HA. So it it does raise a really interesting mm. question around. Oh is alcohol a good thing <laughs> for these women? Um, and I think no. that's, that's yeah. good. Yeah. Or is it like, is it a symbol of like a social life that is yeah. of of health? <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Let's, let's dive in and see what else we can uncover in this conversation. Cool. So alcohol and the typical HA character yeah. actually coincidentally just covered that. You had it as one of your notes, but was yeah. there more to it that you wanted to share? I think um, essentially, I mean, a lot of the time from a behavioral point of view, that's, you know, this this sort of health conscious, um, um, not not through any, um, you know, we're not necessarily talking about orthorexia here, but we're just talking about a very health invested woman. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's like, there's nothing wrong with that at all. But it does often lead to Uh, abstention from certain kinds of foods or too much food or alcohol or that you know this this need to not be idle or lazy which I had in a bucket loads you know this I just feel guilty for lying in bed in the morning um and from a behavioral point of view you know those kinds of behaviors that's not what we're necessarily trying to change because I don't believe we should be trying to change people here um but trying to challenge uh, and help with these women to appreciate a new and a better way uh, of living that supports their health and for most people a little bit of alcohol um, is often a part of that because rightly or not it's part of our social existence you know and it tastes pretty good as well I don't know about you but I do like a glass of wine so helping clients and each other to understand what healthy really is you know it's not an image it's not a number on a scale It's not an absence of certain foods, drinks, including alcohol or eating as clean as possible, but it is, it's it's a state of mind and it's an ability to be comfortable within your body and to enjoy life to its fullest physically, but also socially and culturally. And of relevance to this point is the fact is, is how alcohol actually works. And one of the ways that alcohol works is by inhibiting parts of our central nervous system. So it helps to stimulate uh, GABA receptors. So this is an amazing neurotransmitter. It's called GABA aminobutyric acid. It's a mouthful. Um, And this 
neurotransmitter actually dampens brain activity. So it's thought to be one of the reasons why um, alcohol produces that immediate anti-anxiety effect. And it gives us that temporary sense of confidence and feeling of well-being and at ease, you know, in, in ourselves. So if one or two drinks helps you to feel more comfortable socially and gives you um, a sense of well-being, then absolutely, I think that this is a really, really strong argument for enjoying alcohol as part of a balanced and healthy lifestyle for women with in it, for women with HA in particular. Mm. Um, a little bit of what you fancy goes a long way. Um, yeah. Yeah. I assume in that uh, you said that you heard us mention it on a podcast at one point. I assume it was like a Q&A or something that's coming to mind. But I yeah, think yeah, I think so. I think that and, and I think the the answer was very much a kind of a response to what I've just said. You know, it was absolutely. Yeah, I feel be, like that's. Yeah. Like, I don't know a whole lot. We don't know a whole lot about it. If it if it's making you feel better and having a like if, if if a better lifestyle is correlating out of a glass of wine every now and then yeah like I wouldn't look twice at it. Absolutely. Other situations might be different, yeah. and like when we talk to our audience, I I might be making an assumption here, and I'm so open for people to like DM me and tell me their experience or what it's like for them. But the assumption yeah. I'm making here is most people most women with HA who are struggling and trying to get their period back are concerned about alcohol and not drinking that much of it. Yeah. And so it's like, that's why that answer feels good. Yeah. About- and exactly. And and we're not, tr- it's not as if we're trying to push women to drink alcohol. That's not like, <laughs> that's really irresponsible. Yeah. And there's also a very dark side to alcohol, which we're going to look at as well, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, we're not trying to push women to drink alcohol. That's not, I think, I don't think either of you are trying to give that message at all. Um, no. cause you know, I mean, <laughs> on the, <laughs> I mean, on the flip side to that, you know, a constant supply of alcohol is actually going to downregulate those receptors that I've just spoken about, for example, and that can lead to anxiety, but also we don't want alcohol, alcohol to be used as another crutch or a coping mechanism, you know, in the same way as a lot of um, ladies with HA um, and certainly myself, I used to use exercise and, and food restriction for that purpose. You know, that was a coping mechanism. So um, we don't want that to encourage that at all, um, especially given that extremes in behaviours may be more likely in, in a woman with HA. Um, and if you throw mm. alcohol into the mix, that could be a bit problematic as well. So I think definitely we're taking a pinch of salt with every everything that I'm saying and everything you're saying. Yeah. Um, and every any piece of research that we do, we have to take this massive pinch of salt and just be like, let's just contextualize this in terms of who are you as a person? What do we know about you and your character and what's driving your behaviors right now? And also what's going on clinically, clinically with you? And that clinical piece is really important. And I, I just felt that, that that was the part that was missing is, is just we just need to be aware of what actually is happening clinically in HA and where alcohol may not be may not be the right thing to sort of you know to be encouraging so but yeah there's a strong argument for it for, for having enjoying light to moderate drinking for sure yeah yes 100 percent. okay cool so i want to know a little bit more about well were there any other potential long-term health benefits yeah okay yeah this to, is really is there a good side so this is interesting actually because um Okay, this is really interesting. So up until I find this interesting, guys, I'm really sorry if you don't. (laughs) 
Um, okay, up until relatively recently, the published health benefits benefits of regular light to moderate drinking, so moderate drinking, um, have shown that it may help to protect from cardiovascular disease, uh, lower the risk of dementia and cognitive decline, and also osteoporosis. Now, that's really interesting because these are the three uh, kind of proclaimed health issues that women um, who certainly who have HA for long periods of time, so for you know for years, may be mm-hmm. more at risk of in the future. Um, but the vast majority of research supporting those health benefits, again coming back to the kind of quality of the evidence that we were talking about before, is relying on epidemiolo- epidemiological studies. Sorry, epidemiological studies, and those mm, studies okay. themselves are limited, right? Because again, they're inferring a trend, um, but there's no causative link. So, you know, there's no link that we direct link we can draw between alcohol and those kinds of beneficial or ben- the benefit any, of those outcomes. Any studies based on like the long term effects of something someone's doing in their lifestyle is very challenging. Yeah, really, really hard to do. Uh, and we cannot look at those as causative. We have to we have to look at them as um, as contextual. And it's, it's really, really difficult. Yeah, totally. Um, okay. And yeah, and a massive caveat to all of that is that the new guidelines around alcohol, uh, those were published in 2016. I'm pretty sure, so in the UK, but also in uh, in any sort of sort of Western in the Western world, um, showed that there's actually no medically safe limit for alcohol at all. So um, we have actually, you know, we have to rethink really carefully about the old saying of a little bit of alcohol, a little bit of moderate drinking is protective you know, may not be the case. So we've got to be careful around that, those guidelines as well. Just popping in here to let you know that today, the 14th of April Central Time, so the 15th of April down in Australia, New Zealand, is the last day to join the HA Society. We are closing today. So I just want to make sure you get in before the doors shut. This is the first and potentially only time, I'm not 100% sure, still uh, tossing it up, that I'll be doing the 14-day free trial for you to come in. I just want you to come in and see that it's exactly what you're looking for because we have developed a community like unlike any other community in the HA space that allows women to come together and meet face-to-face multiple times a week and connect on the real issues here around body image, around understanding HA, around understanding why you have it and how to take the next step and how to make sure you don't just get a period back, but you get a nice, healthy, juicy, long period and that you maintain that period forever. We basically are hoping that you will graduate from the HA Society with a full understanding of body literacy and how to take care of yourself going forward. That's our mission there. So when you come in, you'll be able to sign up for the next community call. You'll be able to chat with me in the DMs, tell me your whole life story, whatever you want to do, and really start feeling connected And start gaining clarity on what is going on with you and your body. That's our whole goal there inside of the group. So please join us before I close the doors. I have to close the doors each month so that I can focus on 
the actual members. So that's why we're not open all the time because it's crazy town if you're open all the time. So come on in. Closes at 5 p.m. Central today. You get 14 days for free. So there's absolutely nothing to lose. You can cancel anytime. It's month to month, all that good stuff. So I've set it up exactly for you with you in mind. I can't wait to see you in there. Come and check it out. TheHASociety.com. That's TheHASociety.com, or you can get to the link inside of the show notes. See you soon. Yeah. Cool. Random side question. Mm. Um, with the the links to in helping with cardiovascular and endometriosis, I think you said, uh, are they explaining what is happening yeah. that's beneficial? So the, it's cardiovascular disease, it's de- it's cognitive issues, cognitive decline, dementia, and osteoporosis. If I said endo- endometriosis. Osteoporosis. Yeah, if I said endometriosis, I'm sorry. I meant no, no, I just like get my osis. <laughs> um, so there's no, again, the the studies that are inferring a trend, there's been, um, they, they themselves will hypothesize that it could be um, as a result of, so especially in re- um, red wine. Um, the resveratrol content now resveratrol is an antioxidant um but red wine has been shown to have um other beneficial properties so it's got things like catechins and anthocyanins and resveratrol and these are quite powerful antioxidants that um i mean resveratrol can cross the blood brain barrier so it can actually enter the brain it may protect nerve cells um but certainly in cardiovascular disease which is associated with kind of oxidative stress within the blood vessels um we think that resveratrol is probably one of the uh properties within wine red wine really only actually i've got to just say that yeah and i've that heard that benefit yeah yeah it's not everyone's it's not in- heard that like as soon as that research went out every magazine was like red wine's great yeah. yeah, it's not in it's not in vodka for sure. I don't think you'd find resveratrol in vodka, <laughs> which is a shame. Yeah, I almost feel like when we're talking about the benefits, we're almost definitely talking about wine. Yes, it's and usually red wine as well. Yeah, I probably would mention that. That's where we find the highest content. Yeah. Of Good point. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, there are other some other reasons as well. Something if, in some there have been some studies in women that have shown an improvement in uh, an improved. Um, insulin sensitivity so again that could be related to the metabolic disease or the metabolic protection or the cardiovascular stuff but again I'm not really sure because when we look at some of the stuff that alcohol actually does to the body it does dysregulate blood sugar so the kind of insulin sensitive sensitizing effects I think there's a a double-edged sword because I think there's a lot of conflicting research on that personally I'm not sure I believe um, I can see that um, in practice hmm Cool. Well, alcohol and clinical considerations in HA. So when drinking is best avoided, so the non-health benefits. Yeah, the dark side. Um, Okay, so I guess with this one, it's just being cautious and considerate of what's going on with you clinically. So you may not know this, you know, you may not have um uh, your gp may or may not be giving you these kinds of this kind of data um you may need to work with a practitioner to actually get this kind of data or you may kind of just have a sense of, of this yourself so the three main things and there are lots but i'm just going to choose three things because um you know i don't want to bike bore all of you guys to death 
with all of this stuff. Now, the three most important things I think are, are around alcohol's effects on brain chemistry and stress response, which is really significant in HA. Um, gut health as well, and also sleep. And those are probably going to be the th- three things I would talk about. There are a few other things as well. There's metabolism. Mm. Um, there is things like it, the, the diuretic effect of alcohol, all, all kinds of other stuff. But I think the brain chemistry and the stress you, response I is actually, probably the biggest I know one. It's weird, but I'm actually curious about. <laughs> okay. I am. I don't know why. I do know why. I'm asking for a friend, like literally, though. It's not, I'm, I am asking for a friend. Perfect. What are the, the digestive issues to do with alcohol? Okay. Yeah. So I love, yeah, I love, we love the gut. So basically alcohol does all sorts of crap things in the body. It really does. Um, one of the things it does is it damages the cells of the stomach lining and the gastrointestinal lining. Okay. Uh, and that lining is what facilitates the body's absorption of the nutrients from foods. So that's one of the things, right? This is a really significant in HA because especially if there's been a history of undernourishment, whether consciously or involuntarily, and this can happen completely involuntarily. So I'm not, you know, I'm not passing any judgment at all. Uh, as someone as someone with a history of orthorexia, please don't, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that um, everyone has had an, an, an eating issue. Um, but this can commonly cause um, atrophy, which is like the shrinking of the gut lining. Okay, so it can just it just shrinks. It's just not as robust just because we don't have the fuel, we don't have the nutrients to build that that lining. Um, And this can lead to things like reduced digestive capacity. So we're just not producing enough uh, pancreatic enzymes. We're not producing enough bile. We're not producing enough hydrochloric acid just because, you know, all of those little glands and the whole the whole the lining is is just compromised. So that can be a bit bit of an issue. Um, we're also in HA, you know, if, if that lining is compromised, that can um, make the lining of the gut susceptible to trauma. Um, we can actually see it sometimes on gut tests. We can see, um, you know, occult blood in the stool, tiny, tiny speckles of, of blood in the stool, which is a sign that that lining is a little bit, you know, struggling a little bit. Um, and bacterial imbalance as well, which we call dysbiosis. Now, a lot of the bacteria, a lot of the good bacteria in the gut actually live in the gut lining. So some of the strains like Acomantia, for example, it likes to live in the lining of the gut. So when that's been sort of degraded, um, then, you know, we miss out on the benefits of our gut bacteria as well. And, and all these things, they can affect the brain, they can affect the metabolism, they can affect all kinds of things. So it's a real web of all kinds of stuff that can happen. And then you throw alcohol into that as well. And alcohol is going to mess with the lining. It's going to directly damage, 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 uh, damage the gut bacteria, um, and it can interfere with the transportation of nutrients. And it can actually deplete our bodies of vitamins and minerals as well. So things like B vitamins and zinc and iron and calcium, um, and these can lead to other complications like anemia. So there's all sorts of reasons why alcohol might be problematic. But if you, for example, to bring this to life for you, you know, if you've got a slow digestive system, if you've got, if you suffer from constipation, if you get really bloated, you know, you're eating foods and you're getting, feeling really uncomfortable and bloated, maybe there's not, the digestive capacity is compromised, you know, if you're feeling uncomfortable, if you've got a lot of flatulence, there are some of these kinds of symptoms alongside brain symptoms as well, you're feeling moody and, and, and low, then, you know, certainly 
don't try not to drink too much um you know no no more than two drinks per sitting um two standard units per sitting um and i'd probably advise you not to have more than you know five standard units a week you know you really just don't want to exacerbate those symptoms whilst your your body's in a state of repair so i think that's a that's probably a big one um mm-hmm. i love talking about the gut we can yeah. go on with that but i don't know yeah i i had a feeling that was an important question it's like an, it's another one of the asterisks of like and if this is something that you struggle with, alcohol is probably not valuable right now. Yeah, it might just be not valuable right now. And I think that's really sensible and responsible. That's the responsible approach, right? Because as soon as things are starting to work properly again, then we kind of want you to enjoy it. And we want you to enjoy it as part of your balanced lifestyle. But you know, if things are really struggling from that, you know, certainly from a gut point of view, it's it's not going to help. Um, and that's where I personally like to would take that approach. I'd just be like, look, if it's not really bothering you not having alcohol anyway, for most women, it isn't, then let's just avoid it. And let's work on the gut for six weeks. And then let's just see where we are. Yeah, I just like I just keep coming back to this thing of like, if you're, if everything's functioning healthy, you, you're looking good, you're feeling good. And you're saying no to alcohol for a reason yeah. that only that you know, if you look inside, you know why you're saying no. I think yeah. that's almost the the place to reevaluate. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Well. okay other, I because I cut you off with that. Uh, well, I detoured you. Um, was there other? <laughs> yeah, I mean, do you want me to research information about it? Yeah, do you want me? I guess I I'm, I may as well give you some some of the other stuff around this. I think yes. I think the the second probably the the next most important one is the effect on the brain chemistry and the stress response. And we know stress is like you know if we had three major things, we've got the kind of the food intake and the exercise and the stress. Okay, there's other things as well. There's body fat percentage, body composition, lots of other things that come into this. But let's say stress is a major major factor. Um, so. What we do know about alcohol consumption is long-term consumption of alcohol will affect um, the brain function in so many different ways. So I'm going to try and keep this nice and streamlined for you. It will affect um, the hippocampus. This is an area in the brain that's, that's responsible for learning and memory, but it also regulates the stress response system. So it also regulates what we call the HPA axis, which is one arm of our hormone system. And this can be significant as often what we're seeing, especially in those that have really nailed their food um, and their exercise, but they're still struggling to regain their period, is that the stress response system, it can be hyperactive, um, it can be underactive, it can be somehow misaligned. And that's important. This is where this is where I'm a big fan of, of Dutch testing, not for the sex hormones, but for the adrenal metabolism and the neurotransmitters, because I really want to see what is going on there. Um, and then when it comes to stress, alcohol also raises cortisol. It's in it, the other way the other way it works is it disrupts blood sugar balance and it raises cortisol. And if we've got an increase in cortisol circulating around the body when we're trying to get our period back unnecessarily, um, it's just it's just not it's just probably not the best, you know, it's probably not the best thing to choose. Um despite the impact on the brain on the GABA receptors. You know, we've got that increase in cortisol. Um, do you know if it's yeah. because? Do you know if it's because 
the alcohol, and I assume we're mostly talking about things other than red wine um, when when we talk about the stress response, but I don't know if, if you can elaborate on that. Yeah. And is it more because of the reaction it's causing in our brain or is it because like alcohol is hard to digest and is bad for us? So I wouldn't say red wine is any different in this respect. When mm-hmm. the, the only difference with red wine is it has beneficial properties in it, but it's still, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's still alcohol, it's still ethanol. So it's still going to have all of these effects that I'm talking about as well. Um, but the effects of alcohol are, are are numerous. Okay, so the if you were drinking a little bit of alcohol every day, for example, you're definitely going to notice that change in the hippocampus. And were you to have were you to have a bit of a binge night, were you to go out and have like you know more than five drinks and wake up in the morning, you know you we get that sort of temporary um, uh, amnesia. You know we get that temporary temporary sort of sense. I can't remember what happened yesterday. <laughs> You know, but that's that's part of what's happening in the at the level of the brain and the hippocampus, and it's the same part that controls the stress response. And when that gets dysregulated, then the adrenal output of cortisol can go up just because um, it's it's out of balance. Um, but also, one of the other ways that alcohol works is it disrupts blood sugar balance. So blood sugar can go a bit doolally. It can go up, it can go down, and as soon as we get that low, in the same way as if we were going to have a really really sugary meal. Um, you know, we'd get a kind of a temporary spike in uh, insulin and cortis- and uh, sorry and blood sugar, which would um, then lead to a, redu- um, a, a sharp fall in blood sugar, which is going to cause an increase in cortisol. So there are kind of numerous ways in which that can happen, um, and yeah, and can cause can cause issues. Yeah, yeah, and that made me think of this. Um, we'll see how you go. Surprise bonus question. Yeah, go for um, it. When I'm working with uh, my women who are currently cycling, well, I also I have some girls charting their cycles without even without their period. I just feel they're at a point now where it could be valuable information for us. And girls who are charting their cycles, waiting for their second, third, fourth, or trying to get pregnant, that kind of thing. So they are typically having a cycle, and. Every single time, and everyone in the charting world knows this, when you drink alcohol, you see a large, like a significant spike in your basal body temperature. So mm-hmm. you, you become hotter. Mm-hmm. And is that a result of all of the that mechanisms that you just went through? I think that's different. Um, I definitely would say that's mm-hmm. different. That could have, that could be um, a result of the in the effects of alcohol on hormones um, and our and at the level of the brain so our, our hypothalamus is also responsible for managing our temperature right so it's um, it will take in external mm-hmm. cues it'll, it'll it'll understand sort of what's the climate that we're currently sitting in um, and that can certainly get dysregulated um, when we're drinking when we're drinking alcohol we know this from uh, I think there's been studies of of men out out in the um, out in the out in the cold out in the Ar- um, arctic is a good example i think it's the arctic but it's somewhere really really cold and they're drinking alcohol and it's not that they're not their body is not getting cold but it's that they are more susceptible to hypothermia because they're not registering that they're they're cold because more of the body what's actually happening is more of the blood flow is going to the extremities and away from the core so we're actually perceiving that we're we're feeling much hotter that's why your skin may flush and you may feel warmer, but actually your core body temperature is dropping. So it's actually quite dangerous from that perspective. Um, 
the exact the exact kind of biomechanism behind that I'm not familiar with um, I'm not entirely sure what is the you know what hormone it is or what's what the actual um, link is between that brain and that reception and why why the you know why the blood flow is sort of getting um, is going sorry I'm yeah. losing my words the why the blood flow is getting uh, diverted to the extremities as opposed to the core uh, core body temperature yeah. that's interesting yeah Cool. All right. So what I want to do, unless you have any interesting facts that you want to insert before we get to this last part. Yeah. But I want to kind of sum it all up, right? So I'm yeah. going to be an HAR and I'm going to ask you this question about whether I should drink alcohol <laughs> and you're going to give me the answer having knowing nothing about me as a person. Okay. <laughs> or like yeah. my situation. Okay. So. Hey, Holly, question hey. for you. I have HA. I've had it for like six months, I think, about that. And I want to drink alcohol, but I'm not really sure if I should because getting my period back is my priority. What do you think? Okay. Well, that's really interesting, Danny. And I would say that it's probably really difficult for me to give you um and I'm being serious here, but it's probably really difficult for me to give you the best answer without knowing uh, more about what is going on for you clinically. So, you know, what's going on for you in terms of uh, your adrenal health uh, and your gut health and other things uh, like that. Um, and, you know, what are the and what the um, key components are that are driving your particular HA, you know, what's keeping you in this place, what's preventing recovery for you right now. Um, you know, I think I need to understand a little bit more about you as a person. Um, and you know, what motivates you, what's holding you back, um, and really find out a little bit more about you before I can actually tell you whether or not I think alcohol should be part of your weekly kind of uh life plan, if that makes sense. And also what kind of alcohol yeah, you drink sense. and how much and when. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like everything, it depends. Um, well, if someone listening doesn't necessarily want to, it's not a big deal to them, right? They're just yeah. curious. Okay. They don't really necessarily want to spend the time getting the testing done, being yeah. interviewed on this kind of thing. Would you say it's, um, you know, for their own self-assessment purposes, what questions could they ask themselves? Um, I would say, um, you know, do they avoid, I would want to know if they avoid alcohol for, for social reasons, are they avoiding alcohol anyway? Um, what happens when they drink alcohol? Do they have any particular symptoms related to alcohol? Does it, you know, does it make them feel low? I mean, one of the things that we know we didn't really touch on was the impact of alcohol and serotonin levels in the brain that can make us feel really low and often with HA there's low mood anyway as a result of low estrogen and low testosterone uh, sorry low serotonin so um I want to know you know exactly how, how it is affecting them for the most part though I would say to this person that um having a few drinks over a holiday um or in moderation at any other time probably won't affect your cycle and it probably won't affect you know um, how quickly you get your cycle back um, I would also tell them that we do know that chronically um, chronic excessive drinking uh, can cause cycle irregularities and amenorrhea because we do have research to support that 
Um, but occasional drinking for an, for somebody with HA, so someone like you in, with your personality type, is probably a good thing. Um, and in fact, you know, if you've got if you've had HA um, for a while, um, we might say we might go as far as to say, you know, enjoying the occasional glass of wine um, is you know is beneficial to you on on many different levels. But um, I would caveat that by saying that for any woman, I would avoid, and this is any woman, this is going for any cycling woman or any non-cycling woman, I would avoid um, more than two standard units per sitting. I just would because the other facts that we didn't even touch on what happens to your, what happens to your cycle, sorry, what can, what some of the impacts of alcohol can be in a woman who is cycling. Um, so that's what I would say. But and I also would, I'd say all of us, all women, um, we should probably, you know, be having no more than five units of alcohol per week. But that's just based on my research and what I, I believe. Um, but I would mm. encourage you to enjoy it because it's part of a social, it's part of your life. It's part of, you know, most of our social existence. So that would be what I would say without knowing anything about the clinical stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the reality is most people are not going to get the clinical testing done those of I you know. who are interested, yeah. holly is your girl so i'm gonna put her... no, there, are, there are others there are many other practitioners as well i think who do this so i think i don't want to just yeah we don't want to um because yeah I, I would say but i certainly can help you if that's what you want but i think that a lot of women can do this on their own and I don't want to dis. I never ever want to disempower any woman by by making leading her to believe that she needs to work with any practitioner. Um, I think if there's if you're struggling for a long time and you need that support there and and you know that there's something going on, working with someone and that includes someone like Danny and you know a health coach that can ex- just accelerate the process for you. Um, but yeah, I never want. I I might. I'm not in the. I'm not in the business of disempowering women. <laughs> around I love and I love and appreciate very much that you just said that that's so true like the majority of us have within ourselves the ability to get this work done yeah it's great that you have access to practitioners to help you find answers that otherwise maybe you couldn't or be unbiased in your uh discoveries I think that's a big one just like an unbiased uh, third party helping you see things from a perspective you can't but mm-hmm. at the end of the day like if this is something that you if solving HA is something that you want to do on your own or is the you know that's how what you can afford to do is to do it on your own we believe in you yeah 100% <laughs> yeah I, I believe that too I really really do and you only you only have to get on the right road really and that's what what where what I love doing is giving women all of the education. I love giving them all of the why, all of the what what's this is this is what's happening in the body. This is why this nutrient is effective. This is why eating this way is effective. This is why this kind of lifestyle practice is helpful for you, not someone else. But with a view to I don't want I don't want women to be dependent on me. I don't want that. I want them to go away and have that life. I want them to have everything that they need for their life you know um so i think it's it's about the empowerment game yeah for sure but uh yeah i do stand by what i've said about you know you don't you know you can do this on on your own you can do it um there's quite a lot of information out there but you do have to find the right information and sadly i do think there's quite a lot of 
um, misinformation out there, which is why I love this podcast, because you're bringing in a lot of good voices, you're bringing in a lot of expertise. And that's really, really important. I think there is a lot of, uh, there are a lot of people um, getting on the HA bandwagon, if I may say that, um, and just, and, you know, and, and return regurgitating information that might not be correct. So that's why, that's why I'm, I'm passionate about getting real research, real, real um, information out there. Yeah. Well, I love that there are people like you in the space doing what you're doing. So thank you. Thank you. I'm going to put links to all of Holly, where you can go and find her, where you can book a chat. I believe she does a free call if that's something that you wanted to do and see if you guys are a fit working together or if you got this on your own. Um, Totally cool. (laughs) So all of that's going to be in the show notes, but verbally, do you want to share where people can find you? Yeah, sure. Um, So probably if you want to book a call, uh, I know Danny will share a link in the show notes. Um, You can find some information on my website. That's probably a good place to start as well. Um, That's hollydunn.co.uk. And yeah, I'm coming back to Instagram. I have had a little bit of a break this year just because I've been quite busy in clinic um, and on the kind of um, on well on multiple sort of aspects of my business but I will be coming back to Instagram and I will share some some stuff I might actually write this up into a blog actually um, the, the alcohol stuff no, but yeah. it'll, it'll be you'll find me there soon shoot me the blog so I can share it with everyone yeah I will I will I'm gonna um, write I will write this up into a blog so it'll be helpful cool all right cool. well thank you so much for joining us everyone and Holly and I can't wait to see you guys soon if you do want Holly to come on talk about more topics come and let me know I want to know that you want that so somewhere on the internet you can find me and tell me that and also what subjects that you might be interested in hearing about yeah I'd love to know too guys (laughs) thank you thanks Danny it's just you tell me what to do okay (laughs) thanks everyone bye thank you Thank you so much for listening today, guys. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you could head to iTunes specifically and leave a rating or review, that would help so much because it makes it easier for other people with HA who are Googling around to find the podcast really easily. So if you do that, you're doing a service to all of the women.